Welcome to Upthinking Finance, a podcast that offers a unique and discerning view of economics and financial planning. Here is your host, Emerson Fersh. Welcome back to another edition of Upthinking Finance. I'm Emerson Fersh. Artist Paul Gauguin once remarked, color. What a deep and mysterious language. It is a language of dreams. I spend a lot of time working with clients, planning for the future, making sure that they have enough income to live, enough money to outlive them. But oftentimes we don't spend too much discussion on living in the moment. And that's kind of a personal thing for everybody. My job is usually just to make sure people are saving enough to hit their mark, hit their goals. And what they do beyond that is is really their business. I've been fortunate to see people enjoy their lives and spend their money on a lot of really fun things. I've also seen typically older generations who just, for whatever reason, maybe it's because they were raised in the Depression era or have had other experiences that have caused them to be very frugal and very um, almost have a hoarding mentality when it comes to funds, you know, it comes to their money. And the baby boomer generation, at least from my experience, seems to have it right. You know, you work hard and you and you play hard. And once you've you know met your savings responsibilities, you know, you enjoy yourself. And I personally have learned to fall in that category too. And so I've got clients who who are wine connoisseurs, who collect fine wine, a number of people who travel, and um, which, you know, my family's been fortunate to take advantage of that while my son's been young and still at home. I've got clients who own, uh, have season tickets to their favorite sports teams, which that's another thing I got inspired to do. So there is an element of, you know, living in the moment. We can plan, 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 but we never really know what the future holds. And uh, no one knows how long their, their time is on this earth. So there's a balance. Another area that people like to spend money on is art. I know for me personally, it's been a bit of a gray area in my life uh, up until about a year ago, because I've always valued the talent. You know, there's, I've had classes, college classes, I'm sure as many of you have, where you, you, know, you studied, you know, fine art. And Paul Cezanne is one of my favorite artists. But I remember, you know, the work of uh, is it Georges Seurat, I think, the one that the, the artist that did the dot dot work, uh, painted that uh, Sunday afternoon in the park or Sunday afternoon on the island of La Grande Jete, I believe it's pronounced. So I've always had an appreciation for the talent, but I've never been one to really buy what I would consider to be fine art because in my mind, it was, again, a commodity. I always felt that I didn't want to take somebody's talent and view it as something that, that was like a, a transactional type of thing. We'd buy fine art, you know, we'd buy art, I should say, at farmer's markets from local artists and things, which is kind of fun. But up until a year ago, we never bought art because I really didn't know how to value it in my mind, I guess you could say. Uh, Before I introduce today's guest, who is an artist, I want to tell you how we met. And as I shared um, in the previous podcast with Lindsay Metcalf of Home Connect, we purchased a property in Bozeman about almost two years ago now. And I went out there to check on it, do a little shovel the top balcony is what I was doing, a foot and a half of snow built up. Part of my mission was to see if I could find a picture to put over the fireplace. I had a big wall over this fireplace in the living room, and my wife really wanted a bison. thought that would be really appropriate for you know a property there in Montana. And so that was my mission was to see if I could pop into a couple galleries while I was there and um, see if there was something that worked. So went and had breakfast one morning at this place called the Nova Cafe, which is down Main Street, and sat down and looked up and saw this guy. 
This is Outlaw. And by the way, this is a podcast that anybody who has the chance or the time, I would really encourage you to log on to the YouTube channel for this podcast so you can look at some of the images we're going to be sharing because they're beautiful and words really can't describe it. I'm looking at a this bison, which was the perfect size that has multicolors in his coat. It's just a really beautiful piece that perfectly fit this wall. And actually, as it turned out, Rather than buying the print that was hanging in the cafe, uh, I spoke to the artist, our guest today, Gina DiMaggio, who, uh, after conversation with her, uh, Darcy and I decided to actually buy the original, which was hanging at a winery, which I thought was two blocks down around the corner, but turned out to be about almost two miles up the road. And uh, I trudged in 13 below weather to get there and pick it up. So this was the first purchase of fine art. And I've learned a lot personally from this experience. And I know I have a number of clients who also have bought art that um, resonates with them. Pleased to have a discussion today with a very talented woman, Gina DiMaggio, who originally grew up in Olympia, Washington. She moved to Bozeman after she graduated from Pacific Luther University, where she earned her BSN, RN, and also played collegiate volleyball. She was raised by a family of artists and began painting as a hobby in 2019 while raising her two kids. And at that point, most of her work was for friends and her family. But as her confidence and her skill grew, she began hearing from people all across the United States who wanted to commission her for her work. Gina's business is called Color of Ashes, and that is her website, www.colorofashes.com. I really would encourage you to go there to see what she's, she's done, and you'll see some of the images we're going to be talking about today. Color of Ashes was named after her brother, and I'm going to, Nino, who I'm going to leave her to tell that story once we introduce her. Gina's feels that life can bring pain and tragedy, yet there's always love and beauty to follow. Color of Ashes is symbolic for Gina. The image of ash settling represents our pain. However, once settled, we see the miraculous truth that color remains all around. In her spare time, she enjoys time with her kids, snowboarding, beach volleyball, and is a vocalist, and I hope this comes up in our discussion, in a band called Gina and the Wildfire. Her work is featured, as I mentioned, in the Nova Cafe and is also graces the labels of the wine uh, that is produced by Maven's Market, which is a high-end cafe, winery, slash deli, uh, also located in Bozeman. So it's my pleasure today to welcome from Bozeman, Montana, Gina DiMaggio. Thanks for joining me, Gina. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. So I also, by the way, I want to reiterate to anybody listening that um, we're going to be showing some really beautiful images. And so I really encourage you to go to the Color of Ashes website so you can really get a feel for Gina's work. So Gina, I think it's interesting. And I was hoping maybe we could start with you sharing about how you transitioned from a nursing career into, you know, your, your work as an artist. Sure. Yeah. So basically I became a nurse on accident. So I, I went to school because I wanted to play volleyball and I went just about 30 minutes away from my house and I was at a volleyball tournament and was just automatically enrolled in these classes. And so I was sitting there my freshman year and they were talking about a syllabus and I was like, I don't know what a syllabus is. So I looked to the guy next to me and I was like, what's a syllabus? And he informed me and I was like, what, what's your major? What's happening? <laughs> like, what am I doing in this class? It was anatomy, physiology. And he's like, I'm a nursing major. Like this is a prerequisite for nursing school. And he was like, everyone here is. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, me too. <laughs> so ended up acing that class because I felt 
intimidated. And so I worked very, very hard to try to kind of meet the standards of those around me. And, you know, 400 people apply for this program every year, only 40 get in. And I was able to get into this, this program. So I became a nurse and I worked at a dude ranch the summer before my senior year out in Flathead Lake, Montana, and just fell in love with Montana. So got a nursing job out here right out of college. And then, you know, did that for six years and then had my babies and stayed at home with them. And then, you know, how winters get really long in Montana and cold. And so I needed a hobby. And I started painting at night because I just felt like I'm wasting my life (laughs) in a way. Like, you know, I was a mother of two kids under the age of two. And I was so exhausted every night after getting them down. And then I would go and watch some schmutz TV, which I still love. But like, it just felt like I was like, just not doing anything productive or like growing as a person, you know, like investing in myself. And so um, I started watching YouTube videos and kind of embarrassing, but Bob Ross as well. I know a lot of people <laughs> have done that, but just tried to figure out like what kind of supplies I would need and, you know, did a little bit of research into that and then just started painting in my kitchen, kind of took over that area. And then I posted, you know, a couple paintings just on my Facebook, like, Hey, look what I did. I, I created something. And a girlfriend of mine asked if I would paint her something. And she said she would pay me. And, you know, as a stay at home mom, you're like, what? Someone wants to pay me for something? Like I painted her this Highland cow and just in full rainbow mode, like I do. And, you know, she loved it and she paid me 300 bucks for it. And I just felt so much like gratitude towards her, but also was really like, intrigued and excited. And, you know, I walked around the house and I was like, mommy's a paid artist. (laughs) I was like, what's up kids? You want some eggs? I'm an artist. (laughs) And yeah. So then it kind of just grew from there. You know, you post that and then word of mouth and more people started asking me to paint for them. And I just saw this as like, an actual way for me to contribute to the household and for me to feel, you know, a lot of pride in what I was capable of doing and just started honing my skill in. You were raised in a family of artists. Yes. This was only three years ago? Yes. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, this is my third year of painting. That's amazing. We've known each other a little over a year now, but I just somehow had it in my mind. This was like something you've been doing for years. I mean, I know you're pretty young, so I guess it couldn't be that long. But So do you mind if I ask you, because I know it's kind of personal, about how the, the name Color of Ashes, how that evolved? So my brother, Nino DiMaggio, he passed away when he was 18 in a car accident. And I was 14, and he was my only brother. And I think when you're that young and you experience tragedy – you just have a more holistic view, I guess, of life in general, and that it is something that is such a privilege and is not in any way guaranteed. And, you know, I just always felt after Nino passed that I wanted to really take advantage of the fact that I was breathing and, you know, wanted to make sure that I lived my life in a way that 
felt worth it and felt like I was doing him justice in the fact that like he doesn't get to experience the things that, you know, I get to, you know, dying as an 18 year old kid. And now I'm 36 and, you know, I've outlived him by quite a few years. So when I decided to name my business, because I was really excited that I was getting to do something for the first time that like I really enjoyed, like had a passion for, felt super drawn to, you know, artwork in general and the creative process and being a nurse, it's fine, but I was never passionate about it. You know, it was just a paycheck for me. And, you know, I like people and I think that I have a little bit of you know, a compassionate side to me that was helpful in my nursing career. But art was different for me because it felt like it was me. It felt like it was a representation of just the spirit that I have. So when I named it Color of Ashes, I thought of this image of ash falling, you know, after everything is just covered in this gray ash and you sweep it away, clean it up, whatever, like, there's still all this like beautiful color in life. And so the image of, you know, ash falling really represents to me, just life in general, and how terrible things can happen. And we all experience, you know, pain and loss and hurt. But through that, after that, whatever, like, there's always something beautiful that coming and there's always still so much color and love and so really it's kind of a hopeful I wanted to like instill this like awareness of pain but also that there's so much hope and love and that was why I named it color of ashes what would this world be without artists and poets (laughs) you know you listen to a person that creates and I don't create anything I, I don't have that I build and I work with people, but it's a different kind of thing. It's not anything like that. But let me ask you this, and then I'll kind of go back to that. Um, the color, because that's kind of your your hallmark, I guess, is if that's a fair way to put it. I mean, that's honestly what I was drawn to. When I saw that big guy outlaw across the, the room there at the cafe, I dig the color. I like that, the, the use, you know, I just, it, it resonates with me. So was that something from day one? Was that just you? That was day one for me. So I grew up just drawing rainbows. And I mean, my dad, even in my, my wedding speech, my dad, you know, he's shaking and he's up there and he's, he's giving this talk. And he was like, you know, from the day that Gina could pick up a crayon, she was drawing rainbows. And the reason why he was telling this story is because I had six bridesmaids and I had them all wear a different color dress. I had a pink, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple gal. (laughs) Wow. My wedding was rainbow. Like I've just always loved color and I've always loved, you know, art in general. But yeah, from day one, I just felt super drawn to black and white images. And the reason why I like them is because they're so full of contrast. It's so easy to determine light and where it's coming from. And I just felt like, oh, I understand this in the way that like, I can associate color with the contrast in an image. And I can choose these like cooler, darker colors to, you know, illuminate where the light is coming from and, and, you know, create really like a striking image, you know, because a lot of times when I look at 
a photo of like a landscape, you know, I'm super drawn to it and those like, you know, natural colors. And there's something so beautiful about that. But I also feel like, you know, the artists that can bring in like super vibrant colors into a landscape and make it their own and not just a replica of an image of a photograph that someone's taken. I just think it creates a lot of interest in a piece to, you know, just accentuate what could be there. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, it makes as much sense as it can to a numbers guy, but I mean, I just appreciate that you can see things like that. Outlaw, I shared in the in, in the beginning, was the first, what I would consider, fine art that I've ever purchased in my life. Yeah. <laughs> it took me to get to my, you know, mid to late 50s to finally, you know, take that leap. But um, it, it was always because I just didn't know where it fit. You know, I knew that I never questioned the time somebody put in and the talent. That's always been something I've I've recognized. And I guess maybe that's a thing to be happy about. But now I, I see that it's it's not, you know, and we've obviously been blessed to have a few of your your work hanging on on our wall there in um, Bozeman. But how do you value it? Because I've learned, I guess this is like the personal growth for me just in the time I've known you and, and learning more about your work and, and being able to enjoy it, is that it that's what it's for. It's it there's a, a value that's not numeric. Well, I've just had to learn, you know, I'm a guy who looks at, at, at something and at a price and it, and then I'm determining whether it's service, whether it's a car, whatever it is, am I getting value? You know, there's, there's a utility component of this, which is a whole economic theory, which we won't bore anybody with that because it's not interesting. But, you know, so I have this very nice works that you've done hanging on our walls that we enjoy and it's there uh, and that's the value. But from your side of it, because as you mentioned earlier, it's a business, you know, you, you, it is time. So that's a question if you could articulate, how do you value your work? No, I think it's a great question. You know, artwork is so subjective, obviously, you know, some people may find a piece stunning and others may not, you know, as an artist, you're really pricing your pieces based off of your value as an artist, as well as what the piece turns out to be. So what I mean is, is like, it's extremely personal, you know, in what you create, you know, it's not something that's in a factory line that, you know, you're producing, you know, mass quantities of it's one piece, it's extremely personal, it's time consuming. And for me, when I when I price a piece, I'm thinking of, yes, how much time did it take me? How difficult was this? And how much do I love this piece personally? Or do I think it's crap? I can only create so many original pieces of work. You know, I had a I set a goal for myself for this year to paint 24 original paintings, which would be a couple a month. And I think that that is something that I can meet. But that being said, in order for me to be successful, I can only produce so much. And so I need to value my artwork at a certain level that allows me to not only like live, but be able to give away a piece. Because I think that's what it is too, is like when you create these paintings, you love them and you want them to be in a home where someone appreciates them because it isn't just the monetary 
you know, value of a piece. It truly is like how that painting makes that person feel, you know, they're going to put it in their space. And we all, you know, we all decorate our homes in a way that, you know, brings us peace and makes us feel, you know, restful and looking at them. And your home should be a place where you're able to look around and feel like, yeah, this represents me and what I love. And, you know, the paintings that I hang, they're the ones that I just absolutely adore. And so when I price something, I I want it to be big enough as far as that someone who buys it really has to love it. (laughs) Like, it's not just, ah, like I can afford that. That's, that's a good price. Like, uh, that's a good deal. You know, I want it to be oh, I want this and I value it. And I think that it's beautiful and worth it. And so I think that's why I price my pieces the way I do is that I want people to value them and know that they bought them because they really, really loved the work. Just talking to you on that phone, and I always appreciate people that respond quickly. I'm like a boomerang when it comes to the to the text, right? And and you have that. I noticed that about you. You know, you're you're like you know, boom, right back. And you know, so there's that business element. So when I, you know, they gave me your number and I reached out, you got right back to me, knowing that you're the person that created the work. There is something to be said for that personal, you know contact that, you know, to know, you know what I mean? Like your website, your bio and kind of the background story really brings it to life, if that's the right way to put it. I really, it personalizes it. I think that's, I guess that's what you said. It really makes you realize, gosh, this is, you know, somebody's put their heart into it. And I think that's the the thing I learned from this little experience um, with you is that that's what you're displaying. You're displaying um, somebody's like, it's like a gift, you know, it's a gift to the world. I mean, it, because of the, you just have this talent, this very unique talent, and anyhow. So, but you had mentioned, and I thought this was, just speaks to your to kind of an, your integrity, I guess, if there's not another word for it, that you're willing to hold on to something rather than give it away. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I love most of what I create, and I refuse to just give my artwork away. You know what I mean? Like, I'll sit on a painting for a year <laughs> at the price that I think it's worth, and yeah, I just, you know, I've had multiple people reach out to me for, I mean, tons of people reach out and ask, you know, the price of things or whatever. And, you know, some people are super, super interested. And then I I tell them how much it costs. And they're like, Oh, (laughs) well, that's way out of my budget, you know, like, give me a break, girlfriend. And I'm just like, that's okay. Like, I think that we all place value in different things. And for me, I value my artwork. And if you don't value it, then that's okay. You don't have to purchase it, but this is my price sort of situation. Yeah. You know, I've thought about trying to get into galleries and, you know, people have tried to encourage me to do so. And, you know, every time I, I think sure. Yes. Like that would be so great to have more eyes on my artwork, but then I'm given 40, 45% commission to, you know, the art gallery and, that's just difficult for me as well, just to, you know, give away my work and let other people profit from it and then have to increase my price in order for it to be worth it for me. And so then my customer has to take that hit and pay for the gallery. And I don't know, you know, it's still the same piece of artwork. It doesn't mean it 
should be four grand more, you know, just because it's in a gallery space. So I'm trying to avoid that. You know, I was thinking uh, about, you mentioned this when we spoke and um, I, I'll just, I'm not any guy that says it, I'm not an art critic or anything, but I think your work is too nice to go in a gallery because there is a whole stigma as a person, you know, I mean, I know what you're talking about. We used to live down and, you know, we'd go down to like the fancy uh, galleries down in Laguna Beach and or even down in, you know, some of these beachy communities in Southern California where we lived. And, you know, I, I guess some like, you know, there's an element of people that like, you know, there's the more you spend, you know, this is the more you spend, the more it's worth. And I don't know, I, yeah. you know, but that and again, that's the transactional business side of things, but that's not what it's about. It's about, like you said, how it makes you feel and, and the artist and the work. I appreciate money. I appreciate beautiful things, but it's not all about that for me, I guess. And I guess I'm just real humble as far as what I think my artwork needs to be valued at. I don't know. I just don't want to like oversell it, I guess. How is your reputation spread? I mean, I know for me, it was just the perfect timing and the perfect seat in the cafe that morning and a need. Just like the other day, we were talking about a wolf painting and boom, you know, there you are. You're doing you're already doing our wolf picture for us and we didn't even ask you to. Yeah. But how is your reputation spread? Uh, it's been word of mouth through friends as, and then also like social media stuff. But I think, you know, Bozeman's a small town and I put my stuff up at the Ridge Athletic club where I work out and, um, you know, they've always been super supportive and hanging my work. And then from there, Elena from Nova cafe, she works out at the Ridge and saw it. And she said, you know, my cafe has bright yellow walls. Like it's a really cool vibe in there, but she was like, I really think that your work would look amazing. And she's like, you know, I wouldn't charge you any sort of commission. It would kind of just be a really nice situation for both of us because my restaurant would have beautiful artwork and then you could get more eyes on your work. And I thought, well, that'd be great because there's a lot of tourism and, you know, downtown Bozeman is just historical and it's fun and it's so like lively and, you know, being in a college town, it's just, there's a lot of energy. And so I, you know, hung a bunch of stuff up and I, I invested like I think like $2,000 that I didn't really have <laughs> to print out a bunch of my work on like printed canvases. Cause I didn't have a bunch of original stuff. All I had, I was doing straight commission work. So everything that I was painting was already sold. So I needed to, you know, have inventory. So I printed out a bunch of things and hung it on her walls. And it's really grown from there as far as being able to have sold maybe like seven originals out of her restaurant, which is really amazing, you know, because it's, again, it's zero commission. It's just, she's really happy for me every time and really supportive. And so it's nice to have that kind of small town support and like, you know, it really does feel like love from the restaurant owner. Her name's Elena. She's awesome. So, Technically, I'm going to say we were Southern California buyers when we met. Yeah. Um, have, has your reputation spread outside of uh, the Gallatin Valley, I guess? I mean, I have a few clients up in, you know, Big Sky as well, and then scattered around the U.S. I'll have like random people. I have a gentleman out in Arkansas who's become like a collector. <laughs> he's, 
he's actually commissioned me for, I did these two six foot paintings for him, for his, um, his business building. And then he also just bought my mountain painting that I just did. And a couple in Florida, like, I mean, they're just kind of scattered, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how they find me (laughs) other than just coming to fish in Bozeman. I hope this adds to that because you're like the best kept secret in Bozeman. Have there been any challenges to any of this for you? Uh, any any just difficulties, obstacles? I mean, aside, you know, obviously from being a mom, you don't know, have young kids. I mean, that's that's a full time job as it is. Absolutely. So it's been about two years now, though, that I I got a divorce, and you know, when I got a divorce, my husband was like, "Well." have fun in the real world, you know, because I was a stay at home mom and I was painting and like, you know, making decent money, but like not a ton that I can like live off of. (laughs) And so he kind of was just like, yeah, like, let's see how you like it sort of situation. And that just kind of lit a fire under my, under my tush. So, you know, I just started producing and producing and producing because he's like, well, you're going to have to go back to nursing. And I was like, I just don't want to go back to nursing. I really want to pursue this. You know, I really want to be an artist for a living. And so definitely a hardship. And as far as like, just not having support from another human being and needing to, you know, kind of do this on my own, if I'm, if I'm going to be successful as an artist, you know, so that was a challenge, basically deciding whether or not I needed to go back to nursing to have that steady paycheck and to know that I can pay my mortgage or I could do the, you know, creative leap of faith and continue in my art career. And so far it's worked out just fine. <laughs> I like that you said leap of faith. Cause one of the kind of the themes as I've started this little creative endeavor with this podcast is people that are really living their dreams sounds so you know, cliche or whatever, but just doing, I think what you said, doing their passion. And I feel that, believe it or not, about my work. My wife would introduce me to people and they'd say, oh, what do you do? And she'd tell them and she goes, and he likes it. <laughs> she'd always say, and he likes it. You know, yeah, I love it. You know, and so, but it's a blessing to be able to do that. But it does, it, you're, as you said, it takes, um, there's an element of risk. You know, there's an element of risk. And um, particularly, you know, when you've got, people depending on you, you know, when my, I shared in a previous episode, you know, it was just me in a studio apartment and a truck payment, you know, when I made the leap, you know, but to have kids and and those kind of responsibilities. So, but I will tell you, Gina, from, from my little corner of the world, the world's a better place for you having taken that risk. So I know we're a lot happier for sure. And um, so I'm going to show some of your, your work to people. and, And I know, you know, there's some significance to these. And so, the first one I have up is, um, and I already told people that are listening, I can't, words will not do justice to this colors in this work. So you're going to need to pull it up on the YouTube channel, but um, <laughs> because it's just, it's beautiful. Um, so let's talk about Black Sheep. Yeah. So Black Sheep was one of my first originals that I painted that was not a commissioned piece. It just was very organic. And I named it Black Sheep because I... I think a lot of us probably feel this way, but it kind of, I feel like a black sheep myself, you know, like I was telling you the story, like, you know, when my brother died, my mom, she's been such a support and she loves my work. And, 
you know, she actually like bought me my um, first like set of paints, art supplies, because my husband was like, okay, I don't want to like fund another one of your hobbies, like, (laughs) just chill out. And I was like, mommy, I would like to paint. (laughs) (laughs) And so my mom, you know, being an artist herself, she was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is a super healthy thing for you to do. You know, I've she found it really healing when Nino passed, um, you know, she just painted and painted and painted. But yeah, so basically, when I was painting black sheep, I just thought about like, this cow is like full of this vibrant color. And if he were actually standing in a herd of like, real cows, he would just stand out in such a beautiful but different way. And maybe feel like a little bit alone. But you know, there's a lot of I guess, beauty, I guess, in being different from other people. And I kind of always felt like I've just lived this life of trying to mold into whatever situation I was in, you know, perfect example is me in college and being, uh, you know, put into these nursing classes and just being like, well, I guess I'm, that's what I'm doing now, you know, and just feeling like, <laughs> Just feeling like I was different than other people and didn't really know what I wanted to do or what my path was. And so with art, it's when I like truly fell in love with painting was painting black sheep. And I decided that was like my spirit animal and like my spirit piece because I was like this, this represents me, you know, in a way. So that's why I love that one. It's great. And yeah, I can relate to that, too. I talk, you know, there's a thing in our the financial circles it's really a problem now and it's called groupthink and Mm. it's, you know, when you take a a view of things, which I've tried to do with my work to approach money management, I know it's not artistic, but there's still a, you know, there's kind of the blueprint and then there's standing out and doing something you feel is right, even though you don't fit in. So yeah, I think probably everybody can connect to that, you know, in one way or another. And then let's see, oh my gosh, then we have is it the waiting? Am I getting that right? Yeah, the waiting. The horses. Darcy, by the way, when she went on your website after we bought Outlaw, she that was the painting because she loves horses. Mm-hmm. So the waiting, I actually named it after a worship song that I used to sing at my church. And it was written, basically, this gentleman lost his family in a shipwreck. And it was talking about how he still like had so much like contentment and peace and knowing that he was like waiting on God. And that was like, where he found his peace was in the waiting. And, you know, I was going through a difficult time going through a divorce, my church that I had sung at for nine years, asked me to take a break from singing on the worship team. And all of it was just like, so gut wrenching for me. And, but I would listen to worship music, while I was painting this piece. And you know, I just was finding my like stride and my my style and becoming more and more like confident in my artwork. And I loved this piece. And so I, I named it The Waiting because I thought, well, you know, my piece is coming. Like I just have to be patient and it, and it is in the waiting. And so that's why I named it The Waiting. And then, you know, this was my first piece that someone actually just bought that they hadn't commissioned me for. It was an original and when I got that ping on my, you know, website that it had gone for my purchase price, I just started weeping. Like I was in public, I was at the gym, 
And I just started crying and I was just so grateful because it's so validating to paint this huge, I mean, it was a six foot piece. So to paint this huge painting without knowing if anyone would ever buy it, (laughs) but just the whole process of it, the healing, the pain that I was going through and to like have someone validate my work at the end and say, yes, this is worth it. And I love it. And yeah, it was just a really powerful, gratifying experience for me to sell that piece. I've had moments not like that, but I know what you're saying. And there's just like God's there and and it's like affirmations on a bunch of levels. So awesome. Gosh, that's just beautiful. Um, And then we have our boy Ingram. Ingram, he's so cute. So he's just a sweet old dog. They actually call him the captain. And um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, he was this beautiful, big black lab that, you know, my client reached out and had me paint. And it was when I realized like dog commissions are actually really wonderful because Bozeman is just full of dog lovers. And I put so much effort into this piece and I just felt like it turned out so well, but you know, it meant so much to my clients. And that was the first time I realized that like, oh, like painting people's, you know, pet portraits, like truly is so meaningful for the client that, you know, it just gives you kind of this extra, I guess, passion for the work, knowing that you're creating something that really, truly means a lot to a family. Yeah, I just realized that I, I really enjoyed it. Painting someone's family member. (laughs) You have a really, aside from all your other talent, but you really capture eyes. Oh, thank you. you Really? Yeah. No, I mean, you capture eyes. And I noticed that about the work you've done for us. We have in our office in Long Beach, um, it was an idea that my wife inspired, you know, which was um, we have a pet wall. And we asked all of our clients to send their pets in. And we have a pet wall, you know, where we've got a lot of dogs. I mean, we have most of our clients are dog lovers. Uh, we've got a, a, a horse client that uh, spends time in Tucson and Alaska. And we've got a number of cats. And then we have a goldfish. <laughs> oh, and a tortoise. So, you know, and then we send them a little mixed tile. When they send their picture to us, we send them a picture back that they can put on their wall. So, on the note of dogs, there's a painting you did for us. You captured all of our dogs that we've had to date, including four that have passed, actually, and a couple of them pretty tragically, actually. But, you know, I sent you some pictures and asked a lot of you when you did this work, and um, you captured their spirit, you know. Oh, that's our big American bulldog. He's just was such a good boy. Anyway, they're all great. But um, how do you put a price on that, Gina? Well, I, I put a price on it and then you overpaid me. <laughs> well, okay. Well, that's, I mean, I, yeah, that, I guess I would, that's right. That was the one. When you sent me the description, you know, of all your dogs, you were the first person that like, you know, went into this in-depth, like most people are like, here's a picture of our dog. Like, we really love him. Can you paint him? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But yours was like detailed, like, this is who this person is. This is his like interaction with this dog. And this is his personality and why we love him. And this was how this one passed. And like, you know, I felt like I like knew each of the animals and I could tell how much they meant to you. Um, and 
I just, yeah, I wanted to do well for you and Darcy, obviously. It's beautiful. Like I said, the eyes, you know, Hachi, he's got the, he was kind of that senior dog who just had seen a lot of life and not all of it was really good for him. He was a rescue and Truman with his, you know, his anxiety and Banachek, the protector and little scamp who always just was this happy little guy who was always ready to do whatever. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm reminiscing about dogs, but that's the point is that's the beauty of the work is um, aside from the color, it is personal. This is particularly personal, but even our, our guy up there over the fireplace outlaw, you know, he just is just beautiful. You connect. And that's, I think a cool thing I learned from you. So I just appreciate you joining me in your candor. And um, I, it's just, I don't talk a lot about clients about their discretionary income. We talk about what people like to do, but um I have had clients that have shared, you know, artists that they they like, and um, I just really appreciate the opportunity to share your experience and and as a as an artist and as a business owner, you know, it's a I think those kind of overlaps are interesting um, for people. Okay, now I got to shift gears. One last final question, okay? Okay. And I didn't tell you I was going to ask you about this, but Gina and the wildfire. What is Gina and oh! the wildfire? <laughs> well, actually, I just it's my band. And I actually, oh I was just, we had rehearsal last night. I've been staying for four hours prepping for, we've got industry night coming up um, at the Rialto on Wednesday. And so, yeah, it's my band. I'm a vocalist. I've sang my whole life. Like I said, I sang at my church for nine years as well. And I, I met all these people through, through my church and they're just wonderful humans, but extremely talented musicians and yeah, we're legit, dude. I'll send you the link. What? It's pretty fun. <laughs> what kind of music? I mean, pop and rock and oh my gosh, a lot of stuff that you would actually hear like a DJ play, like because we play at weddings and stuff. So we like to keep it upbeat, but um, we also play like really good, rich stuff like Brandy Carlisle and Adele. And wow, it's really great. It's really fun. Definitely send me a link. That's okay. That's, that's excellent. So I will. Um, Gina, it's been a pleasure. I just appreciate your time. I'm so glad that um, I went into the cafe that one morning and I just I think have, things happen for a reason. So just yeah. thank you so much for your time and joining me on Upthinking Finance. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Emerson Fersh is a registered representative with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC, Advisor services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from Capital Investment Advisors. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and the companies they represent are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Capital Investment Advisors. Individual tax and legal matters should be discussed with your tax or legal expert. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. 
Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal.